Uh, Father God, I thank you so much for uh, your willing servant, Lord. I thank you that, uh, that you just continue to go before us. You make a way before we even know, know that we need a way. I ask you to just anoint her today, Lord. Work through her and speak through her and just speak to your children, Lord. We thank you for each one here. And if there's one here, uh, Lord, that uh, does not know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that today is the day that they come to the saving knowledge of your son in Jesus' name. Amen. So everybody's Thanksgiving kind of go as planned. Everything go as planned. See, the things go better at my house because I do not cook. It's like, buddy, I, I, Nicholas wanted to go see him, so we went by and we took him a little Mustang because I knew that that was probably a healthier option <laughs> than me fixing him something to eat. Now, as, as we've gotten through Thanksgiving and, and we're, we're, we're into the season, as they say, I just was reminded as with Nicholas being so young and, and us trying to create our own traditions as we have through the years, I've begun to realize I'm, I'm asked quite often to preach a Christmas Eve service, which I thoroughly enjoy, but I've always felt it's about four weeks late. We, we start Thanksgiving and then we go right into the next season, which is shopping and purchasing and preparing and pulling. And yesterday I spent the whole day dragging stuff out of the attic. And so uh, this year I've kind of tasked myself with drag. You ever notice that you drag it out and then you put it back? And you say, oh, I'm only going to use this. And the next thing you know, your attic is full of stuff that you never intend to use again. So I, it's all in the middle of my living room right now because I've decided this is the year it doesn't go back. So we're, we'll see how far that goes. I'll probably get frustrated and send it back up. But anyway, I, I just wanted to maybe talk to you a minute today about, uh, we always say the reason for the season, and it's become this little cliche moment. It's become something we put on a bumper sticker or a pen. And now if you watch Fox News or CNN long enough, you'll hear somebody's upset about a Christmas tree or somebody's upset about Merry Christmas or, or heaven forbid we mention Christ. And uh, I'm not okay with that. And, you know, as far as me and my house, we will serve the Lord and he will know, my son will know that Jesus is the reason for the season. And so, you know, th those are personal decisions that we have to make, though. And, you know, there's that old adage, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Well, we watch it all day long when we look at the television. We see people falling for everything. Just because a group of people believe something or, or want to make news about something, they're really a small, uh, they're, they're a minority. But television, I've worked in television all my life, we can make little things look big. We're good at that. You know, I, I used to, I'm a, I'm a film director also, and so when I have to fill the camera lens, I know how to take, I can take this group and press you against the stage and film it in a certain way, and you will be convinced there's thousands standing there. And, you know, that's all the, the magic of television. But anyway, as I was praying about what to, what to talk about, it changed about 15 times. Buddy kept saying, what are you going to talk about? I don't know. <laughs> and so, so last night at about 9 o'clock is when it finally kind of felt in my heart, this is it. There are four powerful words that I long for, and there are four powerful words that Jesus spoke, and there are four powerful words that I feel are irrelevant to this season that we need to embrace, and it's really simple. Matthew 9.22, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. It sounds like a greeting. It sounds like a pass off, like, hey, how you doing? And we keep walking. Jesus used those words in the most critical moments with the leper. Be of good cheer. Hey, you're taken care of. When he was talking to the blind man, he said, be of good cheer. It wasn't just a greeting. It was a commandment to say, hey, 
Straighten up. I've got your back. I have you. I have your situation. I understand where you are. I get it. I care. I give a hoot, as I say in my house. Jesus was saying, Be a, it's okay. It's been hard. It's been, it's been struggle. It's been heavy. It's been difficult. But be of good cheer. I'm going to help you. Cheer. I looked it up. And you know, Webster's really good. Encourage, motivate, inspire, applaud, hail, support, uplift, boost, enlighten, exhilarate. But I found this one to be the best. <laughs> Webster just hit it right on the head. To make less miserable. I mean, that's for us. Cheer. That's what it is. How you doing today? I'm whew, hanging in there. And what are we saying? Well, I'm a little less miserable than yesterday. So being less miserable. And as I started to think about the season and Christmas and all the stuff that's going on and I'm watching the TV and the news, I started to ask myself, is this less miserable? This is Friday. They did a statistic. <laughs> now, now, look, I'm not criticizing anybody that shops because we were just talking. We are a coupon. We know how to work a coupon. We know how to work a deal. You know, go to, go to JCPenney. You ring it up twice. You know that deal. You know, so, so we, we understand how to save a dollar. And, and I'm not criticizing the, the process. What I'm saying is if this is where you're looking for cheer, you might fall a bit short. Uh, they did a, a research this year on the most dangerous states to shop. Fortunately, Virginia was at the bottom. But number one, Arkansas. Arkansas, they said, was the most, if you, the most likely place all in the country to get in a fight on Good Friday was Arkansas. So I thought, wow. <laughs> okay. I mean, is this good cheer? All right, you're through the gate first. But does this do it? How long does this, this endorphin, this moment of just excitement last? Does that get you through the season? Or are you going to have the experience that I have where they, they open it, wow, that's nice, and they play with the box. I mean, do you get what I'm saying? We focus ourselves on what we think is going to make ourselves and others happy. And then when we miss it, we, we feel it. And we linger and we carry on in that. Is this good cheer? This is Friday. Mine! I mean, she's telling them, look, I'm touching them, they're mine. <laughs> but I have a feeling that the three people in front of her are probably going to disagree with her. <laughs> Is this be of good cheer? Man, I don't know where this woman works, but she's rocking it. She's got, what, five 50-inch televisions going out of there. So, is this good cheer? Now, am I saying, hey, stuff is bad? No. I'm saying perspective is important. Perspective is important. Is it the reason for the season? Is it? We keep trying to find the, the happiness. How can we make someone happy? Maybe if I buy or do or give or get, it'll make me happy. But you know something? Is this really what he meant by be of good cheer? When we transition from thanksgiving into thanksgiving, is this really where we're supposed to put our mind on Christ at this season? Does that mean that we're not looking for a deal? No, but I really don't want to lose my, lose my witness somewhere between shoving the door open and stepping on somebody to get something that probably the warranty will run out and the product will run out about the same time. Is this what he meant? I don't know if you guys have been watching Good Morning America and all the shows are doing on seasonal effectiveness disorder. Sad. Where starting after Thanksgiving, you see this huge plummet in emotion where people are just sad during the holidays. Uh, they're thinking of loved ones gone or lost. They're thinking of, you know, how do I afford this? 
How do I make someone happy? All the pressure that comes with the holiday. Is this what he meant when he said, be of good cheer? No, but we all feel it. We've all been there. We understand this emotion. We understand the emotion that comes with the holidays, the things that can just tear your heart up and and just make you grieve. But there is hope in Jesus. I heard something this week that I thought was really poignant. The guy said, we compare our insides to others' outsides. We look around and we see everybody with everything and we know how we feel and we're like, wow, I fall short. Wow, do I feel empty. Boy, do they have it all together. We're not comparing apples to apples. We're comparing oranges to apples. Our insides are truth. Our outsides are fiction. Not always, but let's face it, folks. We do our best to keep it together because we don't necessarily need the whole world to know we're having a fallout moment. We don't need the whole world to know we're sad. We save those moments for people we trust with those emotions. Be of good cheer. It wasn't just a throw-off moment. It was an encouragement of who God wants to be in your life. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm into word origins. I like to know where things came from. It came from the Greek. And it's tharseo. And it means emboldened to show courage. So when he was saying, be of good cheer, be courageous. Be co- trust me. Trust me. It refers to God empowering the believer to that bold inner attitude of good courage. It says it, it's God infusing strength into your life through the Holy Spirit so you can live with an inner confidence and joy that only God can give you. That's what be of good cheer is. It's not fake it till you make it. It's somewhere inside. No, with that still, small, quiet confidence that God has your back and your front. He's watching your your steps forward and has got you covered on everything that's happened in the past. So how are we connected to God's cheer? How do we get access to that that Holy Spirit moment? How do we get access to that good cheer that, that is ours, that we can have even when we're at a moment where we feel sad or poor or weak? How do we tap into that good cheer? Where does all that start? And that's why this is so important, why we're, we need to start celebrating now. Because the truth is, Christmas changed everything. We separate the two holidays of Christmas and Easter. We separate them. But the truth of the matter is, this changed everything. That be of good cheer moment started right here. We know the story. We share it with our kids. We read it at Christmas Eve. But folks, there's a deep story here. Mary, being visited by an angel, told, hey, you are going to have a child. Immaculate conception. The rejection that came with that from her community. Joseph, feeling kind of just overwhelmed, visited in a dream, told, hey, this is what's going to happen. This is the way it's going to work. His pride was pinged a bit because now he too was going to be rejected by his community because something was going on that was unexplainable. They get it. They understood what it needed to be of good cheer. Somewhere in their hearts was that seed of, I have heard from God and I cannot deny it. So the story continues. 
We got the three wise men. I think it's really important that God included them because they studied the stars. That was their job. All of a sudden, they saw something different. God spoke to them in a way that they could understand. They had been staring at the sky so long they could tell there was something bright, big, different. And they set out. They put all their scientific uh, knowledge to the test because they believed that something amazing was happening underneath that star. They had to follow it. I did a kid's show once, and, and I had to write what they would sing. And it, well, I remember writing, uh, prepare yourself for a journey, prepare to travel far. I don't know where we're going, but we're following that star. And that was the essence of it. They truly had no idea. They didn't know how much to pack. And we're talking deserts and camels, people. They didn't know how much to pack. They didn't know where they were going. They didn't know the trajectory. They didn't know if they were going to end up in a place where somebody would, would chase them down and kill them. They didn't know if they were going where they'd be respected. They didn't know if the Holiday Inn was going to have a room. We already know later there's a problem with that. But you get what I'm saying. And not only did they, they take out and set out on this journey, they were determined this wasn't a journey of a couple days. There's, there's all sorts of theologians will say that it went years for them to find where they were going. Imagine that. But God spoke to them in a way they could hear and receive. He spoke to Mary in a way she could hear and receive. He spoke to Joseph in a way he could hear and receive. Do you see a pattern? Each one saying, I'm calling you to the courageous. Be of good cheer. This is a story of courage. Not a character in this story is void of courage. They get to the end. Everybody thinks maybe this guy's just being a weasel, doesn't want to rent him a room. No, it was the census. Census means you got to get counted. So imagine if everybody who'd ever lived in the city of Bogosan had to return to be counted. We'd have no room in the inn, no room in the house, no room, <laughs> you know. They'd be sleeping in the high school. Uh, that's what this was. It was the time of census. It was the time to be counted. And so when they get there and there is no room at the inn and they have to kind of punt and figure out what they're doing, they're not at a non-courageous moment. She is about to have a child. Joseph, I can only imagine, is a little stressed out. She has been riding on a camel. Now, ladies, she, is, she may be having a, a divine moment, but I'm sure she was still a lady, a woman in the moment, which is, I'm tired of the camel. It's been a long ride. I've got to sit down. Get me where I need to go. Something's going to happen. You better find a place quick. <laughs> Joseph's stressing out. He's knocking on the door. The innkeeper's like, look, man, wrong time of year. We got the whole census thing. I got the crew in the crew. I mean, everybody's filled. So all of a sudden, there, there was just, what is he going to do? That's why a manger sounded so reasonable. Okay, it's shelter. It's a place where I can get you out in case there's a windstorm or sandstorm. Um, I'll do my best to make you comfortable, honey. Come on, let's go. We found a place. It's quiet. You're away from all this noise. Animals are still noisy, but it's a different kind of noise. But there was nothing easy about any of this. This was a be of good cheer moment. This was a courageous moment. It was a call to do something that, hey... You're, you're out of your element. All the things that you like to provide and do and, and think come easy, none of it's coming easy now. And then we end up at this moment. You know, the picture that we see always. We got Mary. She's had the baby and she's smiling and happy and it's all good. And we got Joseph and he's like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Woo! <laughs> you know, thank you, God, really. is going, oh, <laughs> all right, we made it. You know, all right, this is good. 
Now, the wise men, which, again, you depending on what theologian you talk to, they want to argue about me and Max Licato went round and round. It's a half-hour show, right? We got 30 minutes, 27 with commercials. He wanted to go into the explanation of how long it took the wise men to get there. I don't care. The important part's laying in the manger. I don't give a hoot. That's like people who want to argue with me about whether the nail went in Jesus' hand or his wrist. I'm not worried. Jesus died and rose again. It does not matter which way. It hurt. He died. It was awful. He rose again to give me an opportunity to have everlasting life. You an opportunity. It don't matter. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm too literal. All right. But, but the point is, uh, the manger's full. Now, this is a courageous moment. Now, we have these three guys. If you remember what's going on in the Bible, a lot of the other kings were a bit jealous. People were getting on edge. Herod was having a cow, as we say. He was not happy at all with this whole situation of the potential of somebody threatening his throne. Right? So for these three guys to show up was a big deal. Now, what did they do when they came? They brought the three gifts, right? But the three gifts we now know were foreshadowing of what was to come. One representing a king, one representing great deity, and the other representing death. So we, at the time of this celebration, they, I believe the reason those three kings were there was to remind us there's more to this story. This is the beginning. This matters. This is where our triumph begins. We need to treat Christmas as a triumph. Not just as a holiday where we buy stuff and we give stuff and we forget until the last seconds before midnight that it is Christmas. We are celebrating the birth of our Savior. If we don't protect and acknowledge and honor the fact that this is something worth celebrating, are you watching it erode away? All of a sudden a manger is offensive. Are you kidding me? Merry Christmas is offensive? Really? We can't allow the selfishness of society to overtake us to the point that we're willing to bust the door down at the local target, but we stop caring about this. This will help you through every single day of your life. Because this goes to somewhere else. That's where it's really funny whenever we tell these stories. This was an important part, you know, that he spoke again to the, the, the shepherds in the field in a way they could understand. So imagine shepherds spend a long time away from their families. They're still Bedouin shepherds. We used to do a ministry where we'd reach out to the Bedouin shepherds because they're, they're very poor. They mind the sheep. They do a really hard job isolated. Can you imagine, as the angels appeared to them in song, how that must have just inspired their spirit? Something inside must have leapt with joy, and the quietness somewhere between the, the sheep making noises and the weird bug sounds, there all of a sudden there was this glorious choir. It wasn't a UFO moment. They weren't afraid. They didn't run. The sheep did not scatter. The sheep knew the voice. That was the really critical point we sometimes miss when we hear of the angels singing and the shepherds. We don't read one passage about sheep running 
in fear. Because that's what sheep do. Sheep will, they'll take off. They'll run off a cliff. But they didn't. They stood still. The shepherds listened. It was a voice they recognized. Somewhere deep in their heart they knew, this is good. This is not a bad thing. We forget that there's more to the story. We never tell these stories, you know, the, 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 the trekking back and, you know, Jesus as a two or three year old toddler going on that long trek back on the donkey. Any of you have ever been a mom know? Can you imagine we're in the car with an iPad and they're going, how much longer? <laughs> Can you imagine? All right? Jesus was a child. He grew up. He knew his destiny. And that destiny changed all of our lives. Anyone who has accepted Jesus as their Lord and personal Savior, this is a triumphant moment. I've traveled, I don't say these things because of being braggadocious, I've just seen some crazy things in my career. And I've traveled all over the place. And uh, as I go to China and India and other places, other gods have graves. And they're in them. The only living God is Jesus. The only one. So the empty cradle leads to an empty grave that leads to a triumphant moment. So it all ties together. It matters. Christmas shouldn't be about feeling depressed and sad. Even when you're thinking about people that have passed before you, it should be. Thank you, Jesus. I know where they are. Thank you, Jesus. I know you care for us. Thank you, Jesus, for such a triumphant entry and such a powerful, I won't say exit, because it, he's still here with us. But the tomb being empty is a powerful moment. These are all tied together. So you say, okay, what are the reasons for good cheer? I realize that I've just been telling you the story you know, but maybe these are some scriptures that you haven't heard in a while. We have the assurance of his power, cheer and power. Through Peter it says, and, though your and through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive his salvation, which is ready to be revealed in the last day for all to see. In other words, he's with you right up until you, with you until you're with him. We have the promise of his presence in Matthew 14, 27. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. He is with you. We have the promise of his peace. I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. It's gonna, what does it say? Peace that surpasses understanding. You ever been in that troubling moment where all of a sudden you're like, I just feel peace. I just feel peace. And everything around you is in a swirl, but for some reason there's something inside that says it's going to be okay. We have his promise of provision. In John it says, I tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly and he will grant your request because you have used my name. That's the power, one of the scriptures that talks about the power of praying in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. And you know, it's really funny. I can remember being a young, young and, and, and in a chapel at, in college. And people were like, oh, that, that's awesome. That means, you know, God, I, I really want that Ferrari. In Jesus' name, amen. And I remember the chaplain looking at him saying, no, see, 
He is a God of provision, so he knows what you need. He has sense enough to hear the pride in what you ask. So he knows what you're saying is, I need a car. He gets it. He gets it. It's not a, he wasn't condemning him at all. He was saying, I, 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 you know, it's, it's wonderful that you want to you wanna pray for those things. I get it. And God may very well bless you that way. But if he pulls up in a pinto and it works really good, say thank you, Jesus. And then we have a guarantee in the Psalms. The Lord always keeps his promises. He is gracious in all, all he does. So when you read a scripture that says, I promise the promises of God, God does not lie. He always keeps his promises. So these things I have spoken unto you that, that in me you may have peace in the world. In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I want to challenge you that that may be a fun moment if you really want that TV that bad. But that's not where your peace and your happiness and your joy for this season are going to come from. Because I, I want the sustainable presence of Christ in my life that extends far beyond the opening of packages on the 25th. And I don't want it to diminish in significance while I wait for Easter to roll around for some Easter eggs. It's a decision. It's a decision to say, this is a significant time. This means something. This is important. But it's not just that serious important. It's the celebrate important. It's that part of you that says, I'm going to be a good cheer. Jesus was born so that I could know God directly. He was born so that I can be connected. He was born so that he knew his calling and the ultimate sacrifice that was going to be made all those many years ago for me, for you. It's important. Christmas changes everything. So I want to encourage you today. I know I'm, I'm short today. I figure everybody's tired. You've had a long Thanksgiving and lots to eat. But I want to encourage you. Jesus said, be of good cheer. Christmas changes everything. Take a moment to enjoy the power of Christmas. Remember, God loves you. He cares for you. He wants to lift you up. He wants to bind you up. He says he binds up the brokenhearted. He restores our soul. He can take care of every need you have. And in the powerful name of Jesus, when you pray, you will feel a peace and a comfort that surpasses understanding and helps you not just survive holidays, but enjoy them. Let's pray. Lord God, I, I come to you in the name of Jesus, and I thank you, Father, that Jesus, you are the reason for the season. I pray, God, you give us wisdom to celebrate you. Give us the wisdom to understand that you love and care for us so much. Help us, God, to know that, that as we celebrate Christmas, it is really the beginning of the ultimate sacrifice that would be made for us, God, so that we could know you better, that we could be saved. God, I thank you that, that you always keep your promises and that you care for us so much. Lord, if there is anyone here today who doesn't know you, who doesn't understand that the miracle of the baby, who doesn't understand the power of the sacrifice and the joy of forgiveness. God, I pray for them right now, Lord, that, that you would allow them, Father, just to 
in their hearts right now just to say, Lord, you know, it's been a while. I, I, I probably haven't talked to you a lot, and I feel really awkward doing it. But God, I, I ask you, forgive me for my sins and embrace me, God. Embrace me. Bring me close to you. Help me to know the love that you have for me. God, we are so grateful that you want to provide all our needs. But I pray, Lord God, in Jesus' name, that you make our most prominent need to be more of you, to care more for others, and to live our lives, God, courageously as we hear your voice every day. We love you, Lord, and we appreciate you. In Jesus' name.